Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Danny Powers with Powers Perspective Designs is a barrel racer from South Texas who took a less than conventional approach to her career path. At 28 years old, she has launched multiple startup businesses for others and for herself, joined the U.S. Army Reserves, and turned her passion for painting into a successful brand. Danny, thank you so much for reaching out to be on the podcast and for agreeing to come on the show. We are really excited to get to talk to you today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I asked you ahead of time to prepare two truths and one lie, um, and I'm going to have you read those, and I'm going to try to guess which one's the lie. So whenever you're ready. Okay. This was way harder than I thought it was going to be, but for number one, I've had an original painting displayed at the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas. Number two is I went to school for art, and that's actually how I got my start was in a San Antonio gallery. And then number three is I've only been a full-time artist for about a year since 2019. Oh, man. Okay, which one's the lie? Which one's the lie? You didn't go to school for art. That's my guess. My guess is that's your lie. Yeah, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have a painting in the Plaza Hotel in Vegas? I did. Um, So it was actually during the NFR, and it was to support Rodeo for a Reason with Kendra Diction. She has a, she's a braille racer, but she also has a ministry group for, um, called Rodeo for a Reason. And she's just been a big part of my rodeo career, and she's an amazing horsewoman, and reached out to me saying if I wanted to have a painting, and she's involved with the Diamonds in the Desert horse sale. And so she was like, yeah, you get to have it displayed at the Plaza Hotel. It ended up selling and raising a lot of money for her organization. So it was just a really, really cool opportunity that I get to now put on the two truths and a lie. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my gosh, how fun. You will forever, forever, forever remember that, I'm sure. That's awesome. But you've only been pushing this as your business for a year? I find that really hard to believe. Yes. um, I've been painting for about four years. I didn't grow up being like, oh, I'm going to be an artist. I just started getting into it because I I wasn't barrel racing anymore. So I was like, well, what else do I like to do? And um, started painting. And then a lot of people started reaching out wanting custom orders. And in 2019, I was in a spot with the military where I was on active orders, but they kept getting postponed. And I was like, okay, I Uh, need a job and I need to have money now because I have a house to pay for and other bills. And it just ended up, I jumped into it. It was really successful. And um, I've only truly been doing it full time since 2019. That's mind blowing to me. Like everyone listening right now seriously needs to go like check out your website and your Instagram and like just see the beautiful, beautiful art because it is it is gorgeous. Like, honestly, I found Danny on Instagram because I came like obsessed with like just watching you paint and like your fun, like TikToks and things that you post oh, yeah. <laughs> because you are so stinking talented. It is, I mean, like mind blowing, but also like I relate to it, you know, because it's like Western art. I don't know. There's something about it where it doesn't feel hokey. Like it feels really authentic. Oh, good. That's my, that was been my goal. So that's good to hear. Well, you are achieving it. I love it so much. Well, you gave us like sort of this little snapshot of kind of um, what your business is, but let's, let's dive in a little bit. So tell us what exactly is your job? 
So I am a Western and equine artist, and I say it's for the hustlers in and outside of the arena. And I say that because, as you've seen, like they're not your typical traditional Western art. It's not your Cowboys and Indian scene. Uh, they're a little out there. They're really bold. They're designed to be large statement pieces for your home or office. And they have a little bit of a modern, rustic, contemporary style to them. And I did this because, like, I grew up barrel racing and rodeoing, but I was also living in the city and I wasn't just a cowgirl like that wasn't just my life and although I love the western decor I also have different tastes and I couldn't find art to go in the homes that I like and so I was like what if I just start painting what I want to see in my room something that has a western spirit but can go with different styles, like a more modern rustic style. And um, that's just kind of how it took off. And then people were wanting custom orders. So it started becoming personalized. And that's where I really think people connected with it. And I don't post a lot of the commission paintings online um, just because I focus mainly on the equine side, um, but they also are of longhorns or of bobcats, of deer, of moose and bear and like, but they, they still are true to my style. Um, so that, yeah, that's a little bit in a nutshell of my art. Oh, I love it. That is perfect perspective. My favorite thing in that whole thing you just said was hustlers in and out of the arena. Girl, I love that. I feel that. Yes. <laughs> that is wonderful. Well, your business name is Powers Perspective Designs, right? So what all is encompassing within the business itself? So in the name... Powers Perspective Designs, it's a bit of a mouthful, I know, and I've tried changing it or wanted to change it, and people are like, no, that's, they, they get it. And I really want to inspire people to take a different perspective of the hobby and sport that they love. Like, I think everything is beautiful in its own time. I think you sometimes just need to have a different perspective on things in order to see the beauty and to keep it simple and powerful. And um, so that's kind of where the name came from. And my last name is Powers. So I had to use that somehow. I was like, I can't let that go yet. Absolutely. <laughs> You've got to work it, right? Yes. <laughs> Can you walk us through like, what's a typical day from you? Is it 100% sitting in front of an easel? Is it 100% online? Like what is your mix of day to day? So I had to break free of this whole nine to five mindset and where every day is the same routine. The only things that do stay the same is I try to get up at the same time um, and I give myself like 20 to 30 minutes in the morning. That's me time. Like I'll either read, write in a journal, meditate. That's something I don't like to change because it, it sets the whole mood for the whole day. Um, and then I'll take an hour or two to knock out tasks. I call Monday my Monday management or Monday marketing days. And those are the only days that are truly set as far as um, I know specifically the task I have to do, and that's like checking emails and ordering supplies and all the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I've broken down the painting process. I come with a business mindset and background before I'm an artist. And so I've broken down the whole painting process because there's so many layers that go into just getting one painting down. And each day is a part of the process. So after I've knocked out my morning task, then I'll go into, say, Tuesdays, I get the backgrounds on whatever orders I have in, um, or I'll put the first layer down. Um, I'll set them up for it to be hung or the sketches. And so each day I kind of knock off those tasks. And then at night, I know that's when I'm most creative. And this is what I've had to learn 
to be okay with telling people that, no, hey, I got to paint tonight versus go out is just because that's when I know I'm going to knock out like just a really good painting. So I know at night, I'm going to be focusing on the really important part, the subject of the painting. So during the day, I'll knock out the kind of monotonous things and routines or run errands. And that's when I'll like go have lunch if I need to with family or, or that's a little bit of my free time, mm-hmm. but then at night. And so I'll paint till like one or two in the morning and then um, get up and start over again. And I would say this with creatives or like working from home, I'm not a person who naturally plays or just like naturally takes time for myself. Like if I'm home, my studio's in my apartment. And so I'm like, oh, I have free time. Let me knock more paintings out. Like I am always working and I have had to teach myself to plan to play. Like I have to make time ahead to be like, okay, I am done. I'm setting the paintbrush down. I'm setting the computer down because I do all the scheduling, all the accounting, all the ordering the packaging, shipping, I do all that myself. And so it's just really hard to turn it off sometimes. And that's what I would say, like, if you're self-employed or working from home, you really have to be good about breaking it up into different segments and finding when you're most creative. And it's not going to fit into a nine to five time frame. Unfortunately, I wish it would. That'd be so much better. <laughs> she gets in the zone at night, though. I can just see you, though, like, you know, the house is dark. Like, you kind of just have, like, your lights in your studio area. Like, talk yes. us through, like, what that process is like when you, like, really get in the zone and like do the important part of the piece? I So I have to jam out to either like, it's called trap violin. It's like a dubstep violin classical thing. Either that or Ryan Bingham. Um, there it's hit on repeat. I have, it's called a creative playlist. And I like put that on. Most of my apartment's dark, but I have a bunch of studio lighting because that's super important with painting just to get the coloring right. And um, so once the paintings have worked up to where they're get ready to get the subject on, I can't focus on multiple paintings. I have to paint on one subject. And I just kind of get to rolling. And I tell myself to stop when I'm starting to force it or rush. And before, I've just kind of pushed through it. But now I know, like, okay, I'm big on quality over quantity. So I'm really going to take time during that stage of the process. Well, I can tell that you are like definitely 100% business minded, um, which I I would think is probably a little unique in an artist, right? Because you definitely have this crazy artistic talent. But I can also tell that you're a perfectionist when it comes to the business end of just operating your business, which is amazing. Thanks. So my background is in business. Um, Business marketing, actually business management is my degree. I'm very project oriented. I like to know how I can scale the process and know when it's going to be done. And so I can like check it off the list because that's how I show that I'm being successful. And if you're in a business and you are dealing with clients, you need to give them a time frame so you're not setting them up for failure. And then you need to know how many paintings you can, or like for me, how many paintings you can do within a month so then I can scale months in advance. And that's the way to kind of beat the whole, I don't know what's coming next month habit. So I actually am scheduled out a few months in advance. So I know, and then I know how many paintings I need to get done. And that way I know I'm being productive and not just busy and I'm on track for success and I can then plan to play. (laughs) So you have to, you have to schedule it out and then just knock off each day as it comes. For sure. Well, you kind of um, jumped into your journey. So I wanted to kind of skip to that question. So what was your journey? Like education through to today, how did you end up here? My background is in sports, event, tourism, management. So it's business management, marketing, event planning, and then military intelligence is my other degree. But I did not 
again, like I didn't go to school for art and it's kind of a long story that I'll make it really short as much as possible. But <laughs> I was a diehard barrel racer. Like I grew up wanting to be an Olympic athlete, wanting to be a professional barrel racer. That was just in my head. I was never going to be one of those people who stepped away from that. And so fast forward where I did a lot with that career and I was just graduating college and I'm to the point where Trail racing is my main source of income. There's a lot of pressure when it's set up that way. And I was down to one horse and he's a phenomenal horse, but we were just like, I put way too much pressure on myself. And so I was driving down a dirt road, leaving the barn, going back home one day. And it just was a very, very strong, you know, the voice that's your intuition versus like when you're just rambling on with your mind. And it was a very strong voice and it was just clear as day was like, I need you to step away and I need you to paint. And I was like, this, this is crazy. There's no way like that came out of the left field. I don't want to think about that right now. That's not an option. Quitting's not an option. And, um, I, so I thought about it more and more and I was like, you know what? I have one more, I'm going to give it one more chance. And I was running at the American qualifier, um, in Glen Rose. I was like, this is my make or break it. Like I'm either going to qualify and I'm going to like really push this to go pro or I'm going to quit and get a big girl job. And so I actually ended up getting a hip injury right before my race and we still ran, but it was just like a terrible, terrible race. But I knew, okay, I need to step away. And I didn't want to see barrels after that or horses. I didn't even want to like think about that for a long time. Um, so I started working for a bunch of like corporations and starting businesses for them and did the whole big girl adult thing. And um, an opportunity came up to join the military and do a really cool job that I kind of always wanted to do, but I never really thought like the opportunity would open up. Did that, came back and I was trying to get out of active orders because I joined as a reservist, which means you only go one week in a month. And during this time that I was doing all the corporate, I kind of started picking up painting just as a hot like I said as a hobby but I refused to paint horses and um but I knew that's what I like to paint I just refused I just didn't want to look at a horse mm. I sold everything within a month after the American by the way wow. and um yeah I like was done then my active orders kept getting postponed and the diamonds and dirt braille race was coming up that next week and I was like you know I have to pay bills right now how am I going to set this up I wonder if they have a vendor space open so then I only brought four paintings as in kind of like examples. And I was planning on taking just custom orders a few months out just to see like if I could pay bills for that month. It turned out in one day I made more money than I had ever made with a corporate job. And I was like, that's when that voice came back. And I was like, I understand. And um, that's when I accepted like, I'm going to paint horses. That's what I was inspired to paint. I enjoyed painting. And so when I went to that race and it was that successful, I was like, I completely understand now. And in a way, it brought me back into the rail racing world because I'm working with students again. I'm rail racing again. And it's just like it kind of came full circle, but I needed to step away and learn a few things and know that I could be successful on my own versus put so much pressure on a moment for barrel racing. So yes, like I said, long story, um, <laughs> but that's honestly where it came from. I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm going to be an artist my whole life. I just, it just kind of came about and you've got to go with your gut when it says do something. It might sound crazy, but the quicker you listen, I feel like the quicker it's going to happen for you.
Wow, that is one heck of a calling. I mean, and now you look back and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I see how the pieces, you know, laid together. But I'm sure when you said, okay, I'm going to take these four paintings and we're going to go to this thing and see what happens. Like, I bet you were scared, right? Like, oh I bet gosh. you were like, I have no idea. Yes. There's a lot of um, inspirational speakers out there who kind of dog on fake it till you make it. I'm a huge, huge believer in fake it till you make it. That doesn't mean I'm going to lie about what I'm doing, but that means like I'm confident in learning and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to like, it's go big or go home. And it was definitely one of those moments where, yeah, I was like talking to people and booking orders. And I was like, honestly, this is my first time doing it as a legit business. I just started setting it up as paying taxes on it. I was scared because <laughs> I had bills to pay. And I was like, I just need this to work. And it, thank God it did. <laughs> hey, when it's meant to be, you know, it all comes together in the end. And clearly you have the talent and like you speak to people through your art. So you just needed the platform to do it. <laughs> your yeah. gut gave you a little shove in, in the right direction. Yes. And it was just crazy. I was like, there's no way I'm leaving this job to be an artist. Like sure. we all know kind of what the starving artist life is like or self-employed. <laughs> and it just was crazy all around, but worked out. What an amazing story. That's probably one of the best stories that I've heard in the podcast so far of just like meant to be. And now you're like living where you're supposed to be. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, I know now that you're kind of like settling into this, I'm sure um, just talking to you here for a few minutes, I feel like you've got to be the kind of person that has crazy goals <laughs> of, of like, how are you going to make it? So mm -hmm. I love this question because it really helps me understand like your measurement for success. So how will you know when you truly like, quote unquote, made it? I love this. So my friend's going to laugh and she listens to this podcast because we talk about this all the time. Realistically, I think I've made it when like my business takes on kind of a growth of its own where I can delegate others to do the roles and I can just focus on my craft and my family. Like that would be, that's just amazing. I'm ready for that point. But we joke about for whatever we'd buy or if I could have a herd of longhorns in my front yard then I know I've made it. Or like I'm huge into race cars and um, like old Mustangs. And if I could custom design a 67 Fastback Mustang, like I know I've made it. I can see it now. Yes. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> yes. So mark my words, it's going to happen. I'm going to drive up in a Mustang. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be like, oh, she made it. Danny, she did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what is next for you? I mean, I know you've been working a lot on really expanding your business, taking those custom orders, um, really just cranking out some amazing art. Um, but what what's next? Like what's on the horizon that you're hoping to learn or try or do next? So I'm actually going to back off taking custom orders for a little bit. I'm going to focus mainly on a collection. I was working with McFarland Productions. Um, she provided a lot of inspiration and reference photos. And um, just with COVID, it kind of got all delayed. And Art of the Cowgirl, I was working with being there and having my own personal collection. So just a collection. And then um, something that, again, it's come full circle and i am always been passionate about. But because of what happened at the American, I've been nervous to just like go ahead and step forward and claim. I'm starting a blog and it's a rider focused performance blog for barrel racers. And I have a lot of history training and giving lessons and just helping riders be better athletes. And I think that's kind of missing. I, a lot of my students have competition anxiety or confidence issues or they want to change up the whole training or a bit, and it's really just rider error or certain drills that you can improve as a rider. 
or ways that you're throwing your horse off balance that you could fix that's just going to completely transform your run. And so it's just a blog to help people who are trying to be a more of an elite rider. And um, that's where I'm going to channel most of my focus. It's going to help me just because this is something I'm truly passionate about. And I would do regardless. I just feel like it comes natural to me, but it's something I can do online while with COVID, I'm getting called in a lot for the military and it's really hard to take custom orders when I keep getting called back. Um, so this is something I can still manage online and inspire people. So yeah, focus on a blog and focus on getting my own rodeo career back and starting my collection. I think that's really beautiful. I, I mean, cause there's so many parallels between like your art and barrel racing and like what you just said, right? Because you obviously have the talent as an artist, um, but it's like such a science for you for like the business side. And I kind of heard you say the same thing about barrel racing, right? Like mm-hmm. clearly you have talent as a barrel racer or there's a lot of people out there who have talent, like riding, you know, really amazing horses and like doing all those great things. But if they're not focused on like the mechanics of it and like being an athlete for their horse, like it's the same thing, right? Like yes. being an artist and like owning a business and like, it's, it's exactly the same. It's just two different lenses. I love that. Absolutely. And I think your horse is only as fearless as you are. And I've just learned over the years that fear is just definitely a limitation that has a lot of holds on people. And um, yeah, if you could just channel that and tap into your strength and your power, your horse is only going to level up. So that's kind of, um, that's something that like I know by the back of my hand and I'm just really excited to share with people. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to show you and see what's next to come. Super fun. Well, let's talk a little bit of advice. Um, You've already given us some good little nuggets along the way, um, but I know you've got more. So what is one thing that you wish you had known when you started your career? This is more for the people who are trying to be an artist or self-employed. As far as taxes, LLC, accounting, shipping and packaging were it was just a nightmare to figure out. And shipping is one thing I really had to nail down because um, a lot of people don't know shipping large paintings because it's considered an odd object cost up to $300 to $500. Ouch. So a painting, and that's not including the packaging. The packaging is probably another like 200 to 300 So when you see prices of things, know that there's like a lot of expense that goes into something if you want high quality. I would highly recommend spending money on a bookkeeper And don't take offense when someone hands you a contract or if you're on the business side, always have a contract and something in writing. It's just more professional. It clears things up, makes everything very transparent and the process is a lot smoother and enjoyable and you end up keeping relationships versus burning them. As a business person, if you're trying to be self-employed, get that nailed down first. That is great advice and not, that's not like the sexy, cool side of being no, an artist, right? That anyone no. wants. Yeah, but it's necessary. Yes, yes. Do you have advice for anyone who's like looking to pursue a career as an artist? Don't be afraid to get very specific with your niche or niche. Um, so luxury items are not necessarily a necessity. It doesn't mean that people aren't going to buy it. Like they are going to buy things like brands that they feel connect with them or that they understand. And I think people get scared when you're like, you got to get really specific with what you want and who your target market is because they're, they think that you're turning people away and that's not the case at all. And I say get specific because when you know exactly who you are reaching out to, you know what they eat, drink, 
where they sleep, what they shop for, what magazines they read, what podcasts they listen to, how they talk. And it's just so much easier and more natural to talk to them and market to them and know what they need than trying to do all the guesswork. And then it also makes you stand out in any market and not be such a competitor and people find you because they need you or they just like click with you and they just feel like this person understands me and it just helps the whole trust buying process happen a lot quicker. So definitely get very specific about your niche and then don't be afraid to charge for your work. This is tough in the artist industry and in the horse training industry. People were like, oh, I could do this for free. That's Mm -hmm. a big thing. Um, People pay value and they're either gonna pay you or they're gonna pay someone else. Um, If you don't believe people are gonna pay extra, just go into the HEB grocery store or whatever grocery store you have and notice how people buy more packaged lettuce than the actual produce lettuce. Like, it's just how you wrap things People are going to buy for convenience or value, quality, understanding. And um, you have to take your personal beliefs on money out of your business because you're just going to hold yourself back. You're going to lose a lot of money. Like I said, shipping's really expensive for me. And so I have to just stand fast with this is my price because I honestly don't make a lot of my paintings. A lot of it goes back into the business. But um, Mm -hmm. that's a touchy subject. And I feel like you can hurt the industry by just giving stuff away. Um, so that's huge, I think, in my book. She's preaching it. That's yeah. so good, yes, because so many people do sell themselves short. And I love that you said also in horse training because I see that happen so many times too of these really talented people who give their services away for nothing. And yeah, and like you said, it it, hurt, it ends up actually hurting the industry rather than making it stronger. So yes. you go, girl. <laughs> yeah. In your own words, like since you kind of touched on that, so in your own words, what does it mean to be a quote-unquote equine industry professional? Like how would you paraphrase? that. Ooh. Um, I think it's someone who makes an impact or brings awareness to the industry for good. Like you're either improving quality or allowing others to learn and being part of this amazing industry. Sometimes I feel like the Western industry can be super judgmental and you're either in it or you're not. And it's really hard for people to feel welcome and learn about it. And I think someone who's like, hey, upfront, transparent, this is what it is. Welcome. That I think that's just like a industry equine professional for sure. Yes, more of that. Absolutely. And I don't think we mean to do it on purpose, right? No. As in the equine, the Western side, especially like in general, but there's definitely, yeah, I think you're right. Like it feels a little like judgmental or like you're either in or you're not. And I think we're on the edge of like more and more like businesses or influencers and that kind of thing are really starting to open up exactly that dialogue you just said. So yes, yes all yeah. of that. <laughs> I do see a shift changing, which is really good. It's it's comforting to see like, I think it's funny when you see just people who've never been around horses and they like love the Western lifestyle. And I, I, I love that because it's, it's only going to enhance our sport and our industry, right? So yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. And also what's not to love? I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about your horses. Um, do you have, did you buy a new barrel horse? Do you got horses back in your life? So they're coming back. So I have a two-year-old and a yearling in line who I'm just waiting for them to grow. And they're in Missouri right now. So I'll be getting the two-year-old later this year to kind of see where she's at and if she's ready for training or not. Right now, I'm just riding horses for other people and kind of working out kinks. I am really blessed to be able to work with Tejas Rodeo. They have a um, little gray mare. She's all cow bred. And she is one of the most powerful mares I've ever thrown a leg over. So coming soon, I'll start running again, um, hopefully. But yeah, she's cool. 
I'm starting to write again just for other people and getting back out there. Super fun. Well, do you have like a most memorable moment with horses, like something you'll never forget? I mean, there, I think there's so many memories down the road and um, like of wins and just just living with horses. But there's one I want to talk about because I think it just shows how in tune horses are with us. And um, so I was just got done at the San Antonio Rodeo and I had a little, she's a Usually I had huge horses, but she was the smallest one. She was a little cutting mare. Her name was Jazzy, and she was type A to AT. Like, don't touch me unless we're working. I'm, I don't understand play. I'm all pro. Um, we're here to work. Otherwise, if you're a stranger, don't come close to me. Like, don't even, nothing fast. Like, she was just very type A. So our neighbor came to watch, and so we met them after the rodeo, and I was walking her up, and my neighbor's daughter has cerebral palsy and is in a wheelchair, and she shakes really, really bad. So I was like, oh, man, this is going to be interesting with this horse. What's a safe situation to where, like, she could see it, and I can kind of get the horse away into the stall because I don't want, like, a disaster to happen. And my mare literally took me, and put her head in the girl's lap and just sat there. And the girl, like, stopped shaking and started petting her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's just a very, like, wow. this is not like that horse at all. And it was just a very, very cool moment. Oh, my gosh. They know. They know yes. so much more than we give them credit. They're yes. amazing. She was like, I got this. And she definitely could tell that. I was like, all right, I got to, we got to, like, assess the situation and the danger here. Right. <laughs> you know, she definitely took that over and made it a very special moment for everyone. Oh, that's so cool. Goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I know. I know. <laughs> Danny, it has been just so fun. And I feel like we could talk for seriously hours about all the things. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I know that like people who have tuned in and are listening definitely are going to want to check you out and, you know, see your work and connect with you. So where's the best place that the audience can do that? So the best place would be Instagram. If you click on my Instagram, it's Danny underscore PWRS. There's a link and it's the link to have early access to the blog if you are a writer who wants to kind of step up your competition mode or if you want to submit a topic to hear for me to discuss, there's a link in there. If you want to ask questions about business, if you want to ask me questions about art or paintings, I'm open, but it's through email. And that can also be found on my Instagram for the most part because I'm focusing on other things, I am going to step away from like Facebook and social media, but you can connect with me by email through my social media. They'll definitely be checking you out. Um, definitely go to her Instagram, everybody, and just drool over all the beautiful things. I know I do. I'm like, oh, I need to pick me up. What should I do? I'm going to go to Danny's Instagram. Oh. <laughs> um, well, just sort of to wrap things up, um, bring things to a close, which is sad because, like I said, we could, I'm sure, continue talking for another hour easily. Um, <laughs> but do you have like a number one takeaway that you want people to leave this interview with and just something you want to leave the audience with? Yes. So... Don't be afraid of what it takes to make you great and ask the hard questions. I think it's fine to step away from things that don't consider it quitting because I think everything is beautiful in its own time, but go out there and start. I don't think you're officially ever going to be ready. I think a lot of people get stuck in the design phase, like they have to have the perfect website and um, logo and business cards, and that's just kind of a distractor. You got to make sure your product works first. So talk to people, ask hard questions, get out there, fall on your face, get back up and you're going to learn from it. And that's when you can design things is once you know it works. Thanks for writing along. Know someone that would be great to interview, have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, 
send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC. Hey, listeners, we want to know more about you. Check out the show notes of this episode to take a quick listener survey.